Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. So George, do you do you have a cup of tea? I've got my cup of tea. I've got my cup of tea. And then in addition to last week, I've got my cup of tea. I've also got a couple of chocolate biscuits, <gasps> which I didn't treat myself to last week. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, a week a week in proper quarantine, um, I've earned a couple of biscuits. <laughs> it's time for some biscuits. Yeah, I, uh, I've had some own brand rich teas, which have seen Ooh, me through. Yeah, lovely. it's been very special. <laughs> so hello, everyone. It's Charlie. And George. And we are here, uh, like we were last week, talking about the archers and having a cup of tea. And we're just doing this to have a little chat with each other, a little chat about the archers. But we thought we'd record it so that you guys can listen in as well. If you're an archers fan or even if you're not. (laughs) If you're not, you might find it a little confusing. I did have a friend who listened to it uh, (laughs) who doesn't know the archers at all. (laughs) Um... So hello, Tim. Good, good dedication. If you've gone on to episode two, um, he may have just called it called it a day after the first one. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, well, we tend we, we love to talk about the archers with each other, and as George said, we want to let you join in if you fancy it. Particularly as at this time, if you might be social distancing or even isolating or shielding, you might get a bit lonely. So grab a tea and a biscuit, chocolate if you desire. And listen to us twitter on. <laughs> Have you had a good week, George, generally? Yes, it's been good. We've sort of managed to get into a bit of a routine. We're managing kind of working from home. We've kind of we've worked out our uh, table in our little tiny studio flat um, and how we split that up into our separate workspaces. So that's good. Um, and then we've been going out for our daily allocated walk as well. Ealing's lovely for a walk around in the evening. There's some just kind of lovely kind of wide avenues and... Uh, some very nice houses. We've been doing a little bit of kind of nice house spotting. <laughs> houses we'll never be able to afford ourselves, but uh, but look beautiful. Oh yeah, it's one of my favourite games. That actually uh, looking at houses and trying to work out how much they cost, but also oh yes, I could I could live in that one. We could do that with that one. Uh, a bit like oh, window yeah. shopping. <laughs> How's your week been? It's been all right. Yeah, it's been really good. Some days have been really positive. I've tried to do something physical every morning um, and I go on my walks. They're a bit of a godsend, to be honest. But then occasionally, for no particular reason that I can fathom, I've had well, I had one day the other day where I just I just wasn't OK. I just felt like, you know, Alice in Wonderland when she takes um, she takes a potion and she's too big and then she takes another one and she's too small. Yes. Oh, eat me, drink me. Yeah. And I felt just either too big or too small for the house. A bit oh. like, um, also like it made me think of Julia Roberts in Hook when she's Tinkerbell. Like I felt like I was going to break the house. Oh, wow. I was just expanding, oh, yeah. expanding. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's that sort of being, being kind of constrained. Yeah. You're just stuck. You know, and we've all had days where you can kind of, you know, you're quite happy just chilling out around the house and not doing anything else and not leaving the house all day. But actually, when you're told that you can't, I think there's something about that that is, yeah, quite difficult to process. Mm, exactly. And I think there ta- there's a lot of pressure at the moment to... Um... Yes, there's a sort of a... Um, yes, oh, we've got so much time on our hands. You know, so much time. There's What's the... Um, Something's going on the internet. Oh, Shakespeare wrote, uh, went to quarantine and wrote King Lear or something like that, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's really important people don't feel under pressure to kind of to achieve and kind of create. I don't know. Yeah. At the moment, what we all need to focus on is staying healthy and looking after each other, mm. uh, looking after the NHS. 
Um, yeah. And as much as it's healthy for you and positive for you to have things to keep you occupied or something you enjoy or go, oh, wow, I do have that space to do that thing I've been wanting to do. As long as it's positive, I think that's great. It's just as soon yeah. as it starts to become um, an extra thing that you're feeling anxious about, because we've got enough to feel anxious about as it is. And I'm a person that's pretty lucky in this situation. So I can't imagine what it's like for somebody who is worried about income or they're vulnerable in their health. So we don't really need to add to it. But yeah, I just thought I'd share that it's up and down. It's an up yeah. and down time. All right. It's been up and down in Ambridge, of course. Excellent segue. Well done. <laughs> so leading up to this week, um, just to just to recap very briefly, Blake's awake. Blake's awake. Yes, which is good for Blake. I'm glad Blake's awake. Mm, and then, well, and then we're all still reeling from the mention of slaves at the end of last week. Yes, absolutely. We're hoping for this week to kind of clarify a few things. We had the new car, Ben's new car. Didn't know what colour it was. Fabulous. Uh, yes, a mystery going into this week. Or we know that it's radioactive. Yeah, that's it. We heard it was radioactive. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, Adam seems to be sort of, yeah, struggling with the... The balance, you know, the uh, kind of work-life balance now that he's got a uh, little baby Zander to look after as well. So, yeah, that was kind of yeah. leading into leading into this week. And then on Sunday. Now, Sunday's episode, I I really like the fact, I don't know whether, I, don't, I can't quite work out whether this is a pattern with the Archers. But because we were left off on that sort of kind of cliffhanger on Friday night. And then mm. I think the Archers are quite good at, on the very first episode of New Week, kind of picking up from where we left off. In a slightly different way, but, you know, we're back with Philip and we've got Kirsty in there and suddenly we just sort of straight back in there and we've kind of, mm. we're wondering what's happening with this whole, you know, slave thing. And then suddenly we're back in the, are we in the kitchen with Kirsty and Philip? I can't remember. Oh, that's right. And she's making such an effort with him. Yes. Because, wow, she's being supportive and she she's being loving and she, she knows what he's been through. Well, knows some of what mm. he's been through um, and trying to support him. Um, and thinking that he's being wonderful and and so lovely. Yeah, and she's really on his side, isn't she? She's like, look, I've got you. I know you're a good person. It's going to be really difficult in the village right now with everybody else, but I'm on your side, which is perfect uh, partner behaviour, I'd say. Only makes it all the more excruciating. <laughs> <laughs> For us to listen to and just think, oh, no. Poor, and you've just got to think, poor Kirsty, haven't you? Oh, poor Kirsty. I think that's a running theme of this entire week. Poor Kirsty. Yes, yes, <laughs> indeed. It sort of it gets kind of worse and worse for her, doesn't it, really? Um And then and then Philip goes into No, Philip's talking to Gavin. So Gavin's still here and they're talking to each other and Gavin is doubting Blake, will he stick to the story? So we already know that there's some sort of cover up happening. Yes. And Gav as well, like I'm sort of doubting Gav's backstory as well now and because he's broken up with his fiance hasn't he and I suddenly started wondering so why is he why did he break it with a fiance like I wondered that did you think that as well yes I wondered if maybe she found something out and that's why they broke up and why he was so yeah. like cagey with he was cagey with Kirsty about the reasons oh she's just it's over it's over and we were thinking well what actually happened and we didn't really know maybe his fiance discovered something. Well, yes, because at first, when when it was all happening, I thought, oh, is he has he not been 
you know, has there has there been some sort of abusive relationship happening there that we we don't hear about because we only hear Gav's side of things? But now I th- mm. I'm I'm kind of erring towards your side of things in that perhaps she's found something out, um, and uh, you know is obviously completely d- disgusted by it, and therefore that's mm. why she's left. I mean, if so, then you know maybe that she might be able to provide evidence or something further down the line anyway <gasps> prediction klaxon but we'll see what happens there <laughs> okay. prediction klaxon did you do you remember her name because it would be great if we see her actually wouldn't it we'll hear her oh what was her name no, uh, no. Oh, i was gonna say natasha no different welsh person i'm trying to i'm trying to, I'm trying to picture it in my in my mind's ear i'm trying to hear it in a welsh accent i can't i can't think <laughs> well we'll have to get somebody to remind us um but yeah. we know that gavin's been pretty pushy He's like, I want to, I want to go and speak to Blake, and and Philip's really in control, isn't he? He suddenly becomes this quite scary mafia boss. No, you're going home to see your mum, <laughs> and I'm, yeah. I'm in charge now. It's it's that really sort of like a switch, I and I can't work out whether it's because we now know what he's like that suddenly he sounds effectively evil, <laughs> as far as I can work out. <laughs> Or, or or has the actor sort of like slightly changed his? But I was just literally like, "You're you're horrible. You're you're a horrible person." Um, whereas a week ago, I was like, "Oh, just Philip's just so nice," um, and I can't work mm. out whether that's kind of like a clever little bit of acting from you know voice acting or whether it's you know the added information we've got. So I was thinking it must be really interesting for the actor playing Philip Moss because I don't know how long that character's been on the scene, maybe about a year, and I just wondered whether they've known about this story arc from the very beginning or whether it's something that they've discovered and developed since the actor sort of signed on because what a what a really interesting experience if you if you know you know a year ago that this is what's going to happen with your story or if it's something you discover and you, and you go oh my gosh I thought I was this lovely guy and now I realize I'm potentially evil yeah, I guess as a director, you'd sort of want to not tell the actor so that they play a really brilliant, lovely character all the way through and the audience are not expecting it at all. And suddenly there's that change. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know how far, you know, how far in advance do the writers know um, what, you know, where these storylines are heading? I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe they'll tell us. Maybe they don't want to ruin the mystery. That's fair. <laughs> So also in this episode, um, on Sunday's episode, we get back to rewilding. Yes, back to the rewilding. I love the contrast between the sort of, you know, one of these kind of very dramatic uh, Archer storylines. Um, and then yeah, we're back to back to some good old kind of rural um, life. Mm, definitely. And also, though, quite modern. And um, obviously, it's all about the con- conservation and uh, environmentalism, because I didn't know about rewilding until the archers no, me neither. so this is this is another thing the archers have done with their education taught me about rewilding um because i remember when the whole piggy pen, piggy goodness i remember when the whole <laughs> peggy initiative began um i did think you know phoebe's idea was a little too out there yes it didn't necessarily sound like one that they were going to go for the, the idea yeah like 
letting letting kind of fields just regrow. I thought, you know, Ambridge is a farming community. They're going to want to keep farming. Mm. It was exciting that Peggy, of all people, is, the, is someone who got behind it. But yeah, I learned about the whole concept of rewilding through, from the arches. And actually, since then, I listened to another Radio 4 programme, Desert Island Discs. And is it Isabella Tree? Yes, that's right. Because she owns that. Oh, I can't remember all the places that she owns, but I listened to the same episode and they had um, they, they, they've done a whole rewilding project there, haven't they? Mm, and they had a really interesting experience. It's, it's, everyone should listen to the episode if you can, but it's um, about how they really thought, oh, a section has been taken over by something bad in the in the field that was unhelpful. And then actually that meant that this massive swarm of butterflies got fed. And yeah. they cleared out all these weeds. And then that meant that, well, I suppose there aren't weeds in rewilding or whatever, um, mm. cleared out the slightly unwanted plant. Um, but also they'd fed these butterflies. So it works really, really well. And yeah, maybe it's something we should all be doing a little bit more of, or at least the people who can should be doing it a bit more if they can. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how they get on with it. Yeah. And also the fact that her name is Isabella Tree. Oh, yeah. And she's a absolutely. conservationist. <laughs> It's perfect. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> it's nom- it's, I, I looked it up. Nominative determinism. Nominative determinism. It's when your <laughs> it's when your name sort of ends up potentially directing you as to where you go. If your surname's Banks and then you work for a bank. Ah, or... right. Yes. Got you. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Mary Poppins. So. Yeah. So I yeah, wonder yeah, if yeah. Isabella Tree sort of had this subliminal message, I need to go and save the trees. I must, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) In the episode, we also have Return of Justin. Yes, Justin, who you can... I can never quite work out how I feel about Justin. You know, he's got this sort of businessman, big bad businessman persona around town. But then, you know, when he's at home with Lillian, you know, there's very nice kind of, you know, walking the dog, um, Mm. very lovely. Um, And he does, you know, and he does quite often in those board meetings side with the the farmers and the, and the locals but then I think only when it suits him it's probably fair yeah when he will also benefit from that point of view because all that stuff with the abattoir oh yes and Vince Casey yeah was really really dodgy how he was going to buy it but then turn it into buildings flats or um commercial building when he'd really given David Archer the impression that he was going to turn it into a an abattoir for the area but then yeah it's you're right it's tricky I never know if he's a goodie or a baddie and then that's what brings me back onto the thing I've said before I suppose there aren't really truly goodies and baddies there's a friend of mine and George who uh mentioned to us that when they got the character of the actor to play Rob Titchener they actually got an actor with a more traditional goodie voice yes in order to sort of throw us off the scent, I think. Yes, absolutely. And I think that it's a very sort of um, fictionalised version of a world where baddies have baddie voices and goodies have goodie voices. It, mm. it, it's sort of, that isn't really how real life works. Baddies are much more likely to get away with doing bad stuff <laughs> if, you know, actually on the surface of it, they're quite charming. And go, going into, well, I don't know, how, uh, how we're going into sort of Shakespearean world, Iago. So Iago is the character in Othello um, who is sort of stabs Othello in the back and he's sort of plotting all the way behind. And he's a much more effective character when he is actually very charming um, and everybody loves him. Um, but then behind, you know, 
because then they'll sort of go along with what he says. Um, and if you're just playing as him as a sort of like, wah ha 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 villain, um, you know, nobody's going to pay attention to that. It's just not quite believable. That's true. Mm. And also in real life, you know, the baddies don't have signs on them, sadly. And that's why this is this is slightly getting quite serious. But um, in domestic abuse situations, um, the perpetrator often in the early days is very charming mm. and is very likable. And you're not stupid for falling for that. They don't have a sign on them. They don't look like a monster. And also often the baddie doesn't think they're the yeah. baddie, right? Yeah. Even if we're absolutely certain they are, like someone in regards to somebody like Rob Titchener. But I think with Justin, that's what's quite useful because he doesn't think he's a baddie. No, absolutely. It's how you look yeah. at it. Yeah. I quite like him as a character because, again, he's one of those people that throws cats amongst pigeons. Um, so going on to Monday's episode. On to Monday's episode. We, we, open, we open with Brian and Josh, isn't it? Josh has bumped into Brian. Mm. It's it's a great combination because it's not one that we often see together. Am I right? Yeah, I think they, you know, they're they're different generations. Obviously, you've got um, Rory, but he's closer with Freddie and Ben anyway. So yeah, you don't probably see Josh and Brian cross paths a lot, but it makes total sense, doesn't it, at this point in time? Yeah, because of Josh has had this, you know, he's got this investigation hanging over his head, and Brian so recently has you know had an investigation hanging over his head as well and it just feels like they they mm. Josh you know Brian is exactly who Josh needs right now yeah they're great characters because they are confident and headstrong and they're extremely good at what they do but then that makes them a bit sort of naughty and slash naive really they don't always listen to reason so sometimes it's really useful quality and then other times it kind of brings them down I, I, I just heard it happening I'm, I'm sure every listener heard it happening Brian saying to Josh oh maybe you can come and work at the farm and he said I can't promise anything but Josh jumps on that you know brilliant brilliant and I've got a job at um home farm at um no 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 it's not home farm is it barrow <laughs> it's just showing our complete archers oh, naivety <laughs> we call ourselves archers Pants. i just get confused about which <laughs> which farm is which is it barrow i can't remember we need a map we need a map um me and my sister once um slightly different we were in a we were having a spa day and we were just sat by the pool talking about the arches and we wrote on a napkin a family tree. We tried to work out who was related to who in what way. <laughs> that would be actually really helpful. It took us ages. Is Brian Josh's uncle? Am I making that up? Oh, goodness. No. So, so Peggy and Jill are sister-in-laws. Yep. So they're not related. Their husbands uh, yes. were brothers. So David... And Jenny, yes. our cousins. Got you, yeah. So that makes Josh... Some sort of second cousin or cousin once removed or or uh, something. Uh, first cousin once removed, yeah. Oh, very good. I, I worked this out with my family once. By the side of a pool and a spa day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, that's the life, darling, <laughs> the life I live. Uh, I'm constantly by a pool. <laughs> I wish... So Brian, basically, Brian offers Josh a job and we know when this is happening that Adam isn't going to like this. We absolutely know this is going to um, fall flat on its face, but it's kind of satisfying. You can hear it coming. I do feel a bit for Josh. I, I don't know if I should because he was totally obnoxious and arrogant and he really irritated me when he was being such a 
an idiot. And it was kind of satisfying to ha- for him to have a fall, you know, when he'd got himself involved in something stupid. But I do fundamentally believe that he's, he didn't know. Right, okay. He might have been being naive, but I, th- I think he didn't know that they were stolen goods. And so now I feel a bit sorry. But why did he go off on that holiday so quickly with his mates? Because I, 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 that was the bit I found really frustrating, is when he was just on holiday, not answering any calls. And that very much felt like he... He knew something was up. I think. I think maybe he he wasn't actively supplying goods to be used in crime, but it feels like he he would have known that the people he was selling these things to weren't good people. If that makes sense. It was he was buying oh, stolen right. goods Sorry. from somebody but, else. Yeah, but then he, what was the one where he one of his things was used in a bank robbery? Yeah, in an ATM, ATM robbery, wasn't it? And he sold it, mm. but then he hadn't got any paperwork to say that he'd sold it. So actually. And then yes, or everything came out with the stolen stolen goods. Yes, you're right, absolutely. So you're suspicious. I just feel like even if he doesn't know everything, he yeah, he's turning a blind. He's deliberately turned a blind eye. Is my gut instinct? <sighs> suspicious, George. <laughs> you're not curious, George. Cynical old George. <laughs> um, okay, well that'll be interesting to mm. find out. Then we can probably get some satisfaction. Is George right? Is Charlie right? <laughs> You've got Justin's moving. I love this. In mysterious ways. Yes. What was that? <laughs> Did you hear that? He just left some champagne behind yeah. the bar. Great. <laughs> For the rewilders. So they were toasting, weren't they? Because they'd done some fencing and they didn't have a drink. And then they went to the pub and then there was champagne left behind the bar. And someone was like, how did he even know? Which is interesting, isn't it? I wonder how we'll find out how he yeah. knew. If we'll find out. And then Rex, I sort of... What are your feelings on Rex? Oh, Rex. I love Rex. But is he just a perpetual, tragic character? I know. Bless him. <laughs> he never gets the break, does he? He doesn't get the girl. Oh, yes, I know. Then he then then he works with the girl, and the girl has a baby with his brother. Yeah. Will he get the girl eventually? I just don't know. My auntie, so this is predict, prediction klaxon, my auntie is absolutely sure that one day this will happen but I think they might be playing the long game yeah I sort of is that a a bit similar to the kind of the Will and Ed with with Emma story I don't know but then it would be it would be a massive thing to be yeah to be in love with you the mother of your nephew I guess would be a a very odd thing to be but yeah he's just so lovely I really like Rex he does get a bit trampled on but I yeah he's lovely I think he is now relishing the opportunity to work with Pip and Phoebe in a sort of a more, you know, he's got a real nice team around him now, now that they've got beyond the, the issues they had uh, before Christmas. Bless him. And then we go, we go to the hospital and we hear from Blake. Finally. Oh, blimey. I, I found this uncomfortable listening. Mm. This was not nice. It, the, the relationship between Philip and Blake, I mean, he, I don't know what, I don't know where, how the situation has started, um, but Philip's talking about the fact that Blake was living on the streets, I think, sleeping rough. So as Philip sort of found him somewhere and promised him work and is just sort of, I, I don't know how this has all begun, but Blake now seems completely reliant on Philip. I mean, ethically, it's it's a real minefield because... On a very simple level, you can hear, oh, he gave a, a rough sleeper a job. And you think, oh, that's lovely. And, and and I'm sure Philip can package that in a way that sounds like he's being altruistic. But ultimately, you're right. It sounds like he's taking advantage of this vulnerable person. Oh, yeah, totally. As a real sort of, I mean, I had kind of, I Rob and Helen flashbacks to a certain extent mm. in terms of 
that slight sort of coerce, well, not slight with Robin Hood, it was horrible coercive control. Um, but yeah, this co- repeated coercive control, it, it, like he, Philip says that he thinks of Blake as a son. Um, there's there's a definite sort of Philip needs something for Blake. He mm. needs Blake to cover for him, and he is just sort of wheedling his arguments in there. Yeah, taking advantage of his difficult situations, of giving with one hand, taking with the other. Oh, look, I think of you like a son, so do exactly as I say. Don't mess this up for me. I'm going to put you in trouble and say that it's your fault for using the petrol, even though I think we learned in the last episode that it definitely was Gavin that brought the petrol. Yeah, Gavin gave him the petrol. And hadn't fed poor Blake. And so we're going to say it's your fault, but really that's me looking after you. I mean, it's horrible and manipulative. And obviously now we're seeing Philip Moss in just a completely new light. So then we go on to Tuesday. And we find, I mean, this is the, I mean, let's face it, it's the big reveal of the week. <laughs> we all, we were all waiting. We were on tenterhooks. Somebody tweeted. And we finally found out. Somebody tweeted. The car is orange. <laughs> the car is orange. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, we were all very, very relieved to find that out. Did you predict that it was orange? Yeah, I think the... I sort of said a green. I still think it could have a two-tone to it, where, you know, you yeah. look at it, like opalescent sort of feel, where there's a touch of a green tinge somewhere. I'm just desperate to see it in real life. I love it. The Archer children uh, plan a sibling night out. Yeah, which is really sweet. It's really lovely. Yeah. It's quite nice. They're sort of... You know, Ben's the you know, youngest and last one to turn 18, and they're taking him out on a night out. Felpersham. You've got to wonder what a club night out in Felpersham is like. <laughs> We should take a trip, a, rec- a reconnaissance trip. <laughs> so the, the the town that sounds most like Felpersham will go for it. Yeah. What was the club? Oh, what was the club? Roadkill. Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Roadkill. Roadkill. No, no, I think you were right with Roadrunner. I think you were right. <laughs> Roadkill would be an awful name for a club. <laughs> I um yeah no I'm. I'm excited for them and their night out. That seems quite fun. And you also know that something dramatic is going to happen. Great. Um, but in that episode, we also find yeah. that... Um, so Josh is obviously thinks he still might have a job with Brian. Basically, mm. my point is, we didn't have a lamb start this week, which was sad for me. Yes. I missed that. So we didn't get our lamb start, but what we did get was a lesson in lambing. Oh my gosh. Which is amazing. Tross got a lesson. We got a lesson. I feel like I've learned so much, but you know, cut the foot. And why do we cut the foot, Charlie? Uh, to protect the uterus. Absolutely, to protect the uterus. Very good. You know, I feel like we could do it. You know, put us in a field with a pregnant sheep, pregnant you, and we could deliver that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me and George, <laughs> we're out for hire for some lambing. We've had one episode of The Arches. We're good to go. And we're sorted. <laughs> and then we've got another situ- poor Kirsty moment. She gets angry with Gavin for leaving, for going to his mum's and leaving Philip in the lurch. But of course, we know that Philip sent him there. She's she's angry with yeah. Blake for using the petrol, but we know it, it's because Gavin gave him the petrol. And we also know that they hadn't been feeding yeah. him. I mean, she supports Philip with Justin. Like, she's really good with Justin, even though, you know, they've had difficulty in the past. She gets over it to try and support Philip and be his ambassador. But she still doesn't feel she's doing enough. It becomes excruciating. She's like, I'm still not doing enough to help Philip. You're like, mate, you're doing far too much. Yeah, absolutely. And we're listening just thinking, no, just... <laughs> but she does start getting involved with his papers mm. and invoices. 
and you think, I was thinking, oh God, is she going to find something? Is she going to, you know, persevere, trying to do a little bit of help? But Philip was not happy, obviously not happy when she started messing around with his paperwork. No, and I actually thought that it might be him snapping that starts to unravel this um, web of lies. But he still, he manages to cover it and she's none the wiser. Yeah, yeah. And obviously he's not going to be keeping a file with a little title we keep slaves um but you know you feel like there's something in there that he's clearly not he he doesn't want her finding (laughs) do not read this file it's about the slaves (laughs) (laughs) important must ignore this file ignore this file about illegal activity (laughs) (laughs) but you've got to feel sorry for Kirsty, haven't you oh my auntie is finding this really tricky she told me she threatened to stop listening to the archers oh no yeah i know because she's so she feels so bad for Kirsty. she said it's awful. She's almost been married twice, which I thought, oh, yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. But she predicts, so a prediction siren for Auntie Maggie is that she reckons Kirsty, <laughs> she reckons Kirsty might end up with Roy. I'm not with sure. Roy? Yeah, I don't know if the chemistry's oh. there, but I think maybe it might be wishful thinking. They would make a good couple to each other. Yeah, Roy is lovely. I don't know. Do you think it's one of those things where they're just two good friends to be you know their, their, their friendship is too good yeah i do They're living together for so long i think so as well i don't know i think if you've lived like like that with a with somebody you kind of get more of a sibling relationship than a romantic one unless roy's knock on the head it's going to spark you know some real you know chemical raw chemical attraction <laughs> for chemistry <laughs> for Kirsty. i really hope so i really hope so <laughs> We'll find out. Okay, we're going to move on to Wednesday's episode. This is opening with Robert and Freddie, isn't it? Mm. Freddie is... It's it's really sweet because Robert is just so... So grateful for Freddie saving his Lindy. Um, And Freddie's just mortified. I know. It's a really interesting story. I think, to be honest, I think it's really accurate because... Yeah. I think it's... It's totally understandable. Freddie's thinking to himself... No, well, Robert's thinking, Freddie, you're a hero. You did everything within your power to look after and save my Lindy. But Freddie's sat there going, I didn't really do that much. I don't know if I even helped. Uh, You know, she's in a much worse place than me. I've come out with barely a scratch. So it's hard for him to take pride in something he's done when other people are suffering and... But of course, to Robert, he's thinking it might be the difference between Lindy alive or dead. I mean, I've never, well, touch wood, uh, I'll never have to, but I've never done anything kind of heroic before. Um, But I can imagine that if you do, there's that sort of, you don't really want everybody to make a massive deal out of it because all you've done is, all Freddie did, I mean, we heard it, all Freddie did was he followed his instincts. He knew Mm. what he needed to do and it's a sort of, you know, I did what anybody else would have done in that situation sort of thing. Um, and for somebody to kind of, he's obviously not comfortable with being made, in inverted commas, the hero. Mm, and actually, if does it, if you kind of benefit through praise and admiration for this thing you did, does that take away from the reason you did it? You did it to try and help somebody else. But then if you feel like you're sort of, benefiting and being rewarded it starts to make does it make you question the motives or at least it it puts the motives in in a different um through a different lens you look at the motives through a different lens I know somebody who gives a lot of money to charity and is really supportive 
and they're really really strict about not being thanked they won't allow their name to be on anything um they do everything anonymously if they can because they're like they're so they feel that no 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 I'm giving because I want to give not for praise and maybe I don't know maybe it's taking I don't know maybe Freddie feels that feels bad about getting praise for it because he's not he didn't do it to be a hero he just tried his best it's a really interesting topic basically and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with this with Freddie but it was so lovely with the medal it really lovely isn't it really and, and you can and you can understand for Robert you know he probably has just been in the attic for how many years and he's not really looked at it not really opened it and suddenly he's got something that he really is passionate about doing with it um, and I think that both I think it, I think when both of them look back on it in years to come they'll both be really happy that firstly Robert's given it over but then also that you know Freddie will kind of you know, look at that medal with pride in a few years' time when he's, you know, mm. when he's able to reflect on it a bit more. Yeah, and particularly as Freddie, you know, months ago was going through a really difficult phase of um, self-loathing, kind of understandably, because he behaved like a total idiot with the drugs. But it's mm. nice for him to know that he still, like there are no baddies, true baddies, I suppose there are no goodies, he still has the capacity in him to be good and to do good. And so hopefully he can look back at that and take... Um, some solace from his actions in such a difficult situation. Yeah. And then we have the big night out. Big Wednesday night out in Felpersham. <laughs> the big Wednesday. <laughs> they don't take the orange car. Interesting. They take Pip's car, which breaks down. <laughs> <laughs> they should have taken the orange car. In this episode, um, Joy Horville comes back. Excellent new oh. character in Ambridge. Um, what an addition. Yeah, what an addition to the cast. She ends up taking Ben to Felpersham in the midget. <laughs> I love the image of an already drunk Ben just sitting in the front of the car. What I'd love to, I'd love to uh, have a little bonus episode of the conversation between Joy and Ben <laughs> on their drive to Felpersham. I don't know how long the drive is, but just like even if it's just 10, 15 minutes of, of Ben being really drunk uh, and talking to Joy. Or probably actually, to be fair, Joy mainly talking at Ben. That's true. I feel like Ben would have enjoyed it in his drunk state, maybe. But um, but then Joy's Joy's clubbing when when Pip and Josh get to the club. Joy's there with her pal. With her mate, yeah. Joy's an absolute dream. Uh, to be honest, I was I was quite glad that Joy was meeting a mate. Do you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. just in terms of from what you know, what happened with her family at Christmas and sort of she's off you know She's lonely. I think she's a really lonely person, unfortunately. Yeah. And that and that was really, you know, that was really highlighted at Christmas and um, but I was really glad that, yes, there was her mate. I don't know what the friend's name was. I can't remember whether it was mentioned. Angela? I'm making that up. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so the fact that, yeah, she was actually meeting her friend in Belgium and that they ended up at the Roadrunner slash Roadkill. Uh, slash <laughs> Roadhouse, yes. <laughs> I think she, I'm so glad that Joy has joined. I know, I, I was thinking, I don't know how if you've thought about this, how difficult it must be for an actor to play a character whose inherent characteristic is just to be annoying yeah (laughs) because we're not saying that the actor is annoying we're saying that the character is annoying and the actor is succeeding brilliantly a brilliant job of being annoying (laughs) (laughs) what does that mean um i loved at christmas just going back to i absolutely lost it with the the tony tom joy mix-up 
I remember driving in the car listening to the episode and just <laughs> being like, oh, God. I was oh, cracking no. up. It was so good. It was so good. It was everyone just being perfectly them. Like Tom absolutely wading in without questioning. Pat just just like, oh, dear. Oh, yeah, yeah. mortified by her whole family. Tony was all blustery. Joy, <laughs> Joy was like, what? No. Natasha was mortified. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah, super. And then, of course, because in that episode, Helen was there with um, oh, with um, lovely karate man. Oh, uh, yes. Um, I want to uh, call him like <laughs> Hank, but it's not Hank. <laughs> Lee. Lee, it's Lee, yes. Because I always think Bruce Lee. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Karate. So Helen and Lee were there. And Lee, and that was Lee, one of Lee's first big exposures to the family as well. I know. Yeah, and Helen and, and Lee think it's going to be difficult for them that Christmas and then actually they come out of yeah. it quite well and they're just absolutely yeah. uh, wetting themselves with laughter. So, sorry, we've gone on a tangent, but also yeah. the episode ends with they couldn't find Ben, right? Yeah, so Ben's gone off and Joy has reported that uh, Ben's uh, Ben's met, met a lady friend. Met a lady him. friend. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so we'll move on now to Thursday's episode. We've got Josh hungover at the start of the episode. Is that right? And he's covering yeah. for Ben. Yeah. So Josh, well, he does it very well. He's like, oh no, he just stayed with his college mates. And then we, and, and poor um, Ruth is beside herself. And then Josh, we hear that conversation with Josh and Pip where they're actually checking the story. And you know, as soon as he says, he's just say he's staying with mates. You're like, no. No, no, specify college mates, college mates, college mates. And he doesn't say it. I totally agree. I was exactly the same place. I was like, oh, man, you have not done enough covering for your friends slash siblings no. in your life. I know how to do this. OK, <laughs> I am. I am experienced in covering. Yes. <laughs> you have to have a lot of detail ready, but you don't give it all. I'd love to know more about your uh, your covering stories, but I think that would that would defeat the point. It would, I suppose. People shouldn't know, um, especially not my dad, if you're listening. <laughs> so, yeah. So in that episode, basically Jill works it out, doesn't she? And when Ben comes home, she um, plays a lovely little game. She plays the um, naive granny. But absolutely. Not. She's sharp as a tack. She knows what she's doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's brilliant. <laughs> isn't she fabulous and yeah just basically just taking the mic oh i know checking if he's used protection and then her giggling at the end was really <laughs> joyful it was great it was really lovely um and meanwhile peggy oh yes peggy see i love jill and peggy and then of course you're right mm. it moves on to peggy visiting linda in the hospital yes and unfortunately peggy just can't quite take the hint and, and linda bless her the, the kind of the moans of pain you could just hear how much pain she's in lying in this bed and how uncomfortable she is and we think it's mm. pain and peggy is chatting chatting away um which i'm sure is you know to a certain extent what linda needs but uh yeah peggy's being very lovely mm, she is she's trying her best although i think something i wonder if they're doing anything with this in particular but everybody keeps saying to linda how strong she is how much grit she has and peggy talks about that you know you're almost like the war generation, my parents' generation, you have that level of grit and strength, which is a great compliment. And it's good to remind Linda that she is capable and that she has it within her. But I think right now she needs the space to not be okay and just be supported in that. Because what she's gone through is horrendous by any standard. And I think constantly reminding her about how strong she is kind of adds that pressure to be strong, whereas really she needs the space and freedom 
and the support to not be strong for a while. I think it's I think it's a really good point, and I think it's something that you know stereotypically it's quite a uh, an expectation of 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 men mm-hmm. is that you know you are strong, and quite often men boys aren't given the space to be vulnerable and to be not okay, um, which can often lead to this sort of you know horrible sort of downward spiral where you know not being able to not be okay means they're even even less okay mm, because they can't express their not okayness yes exactly it's it's being able to talk about the fact that i mean she's been through such a physical and mental ordeal um mm. that yes you feel like she needs time and space to be able to recover from both of those both of those things really mm. and at the moment she's sort of building up her physical strength but i think mentally it's, it's probably going to take a while to get over yeah i have a thing <laughs> this probably sound really silly um but you know the verb to express so we know it generally in the in the context of expressing ourselves so talking about our problems for example saying how we mm. feel but it's also used in the context of breastfeeding you express milk and i think if you remember that the fact that expressing milk is to release the milk right get it out mm. of your body so that your baby can have it yeah and i think that we need to remember that side of that word because expressing your feelings or expressing your fears or your vulnerability or your or your anger not only are you telling someone about it but you're also letting it out you're releasing it yeah. from your body and i think that Linda needs the chance to express, the freedom to do it in her own time, to express what she's gone through. That's really nice. That's really lovely, Charles. Um, oh, I'm very clever. That wasn't silly at all. That was really nice. <laughs> oh, cheers, George. Oh. I was just talking about boobs. <laughs> right. Um, so then there was no episode on Friday. Yeah. So we had our first shortened week, which you're going to have to get used to. And it's going to be quite odd. So... The next episode is going to be played on Monday, uh, on Sunday, but will be a Friday in Ambridge. Is that right? Potent- yes, that's right. I saw on Twitter and um, the BBC Archers um, account was saying, yeah, that's right, that timing will become out of sync with mm. real life. Yeah. Um, and also something you mentioned last week was how a Friday episode is always exciting on the Archers. It's kind of your dung, dung, dung moment. Yeah. So we're going to get that on a Sunday night. It's going to be a really interesting. It's going to be very different, isn't it? I wonder, I don't know how far in advance they've recorded, whether we're going to start getting cricket matches on a on a Thursday morning <laughs> <laughs> at some point. Yeah, um, because, of course, the whole thing will move out of sync. So you'll get yeah. the dun-dun-dun episodes on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so we've got a couple of other things we were going to talk about since the last episode. So we have a, a friend of ours who is going to remain silent, mm. who contacted us about lots of really interesting things about the Archers. And one of them was actually the characters that don't speak, but do exist in the world. A bit like our friend himself, who is not going to speak yes. on this, but he does exist in real life. And not a silent correspondent. A silent correspondent. And um, so he was mentioning characters like Derek Fletcher, who you yes. always hear about in the pub and stuff. Yes, he's the one that sort of like will just sit in the corner for hours and hours, isn't he? Is that him? Yeah. Is that him? Is that Derek Fletcher? I think so. Well, there was a talk about a character that was a bit leery 
um, a couple of episodes ago. There, oh. It was Kenton, Lillian. I don't know which one it was now. Someone's going to have to um, educate us here. Maybe I'm being too harsh on Derek Fletcher. Maybe Derek Fletcher isn't Lyrian. <laughs> Someone's a bit leery. And then there's also mm. a character that doesn't speak who always gets referenced when they do the, the, dra- the dramatic stuff at, at Christmas, who has a terrible voice, <laughs> which I think is a brilliant... In- sorry, I think that's a brilliant endowment of a character on radio that has a terrible voice and then you never hear them because never in our imaginations his voice for me is 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 appalling <laughs> <laughs> like pipes and whistles and... so we've talked before about george and i have come to the arches relatively late so i remember they the ambridge was still reeling from the floods um yes. when i was listening but i hadn't heard the floods yes and that was when frida who was another silent character um, she died in the floods. Is that right? Yeah, she was. She's Bert's Fry, Bert Fry's wife, and I didn't realize. Yeah. So I kept hearing about Frida having died. Poor mm. Frida, and I didn't realize she was actually a silent character. I couldn't quite work out how you'd manage that because Bert—he's not in every every week, but it's you know regularly hear from him. Mm. And to have a wife who's a silent character for so many years must have been quite an interesting thing to. Yeah, maybe someone can confirm that for us if she ever appeared or not. Mm. Another thing that our silent friend brought up was the things that are in quotation marks only said on the arches like can I have a word yes which is a great one because I'd not really noticed that but then when this person said it I was like ah yes I can I can almost picture it I can picture the how often that said can I have a word can I have a word do people say that in real life I don't think I do because I think if I say that in real life, it's too obvious that I have a problem with somebody. Yeah, I think that's quite a kind of a quite passive aggressive sort of thing. It's quite a teachery sort of thing. Mm. It's like end of class. Yeah, Miss Russell, can I have a word? <laughs> oh God, don't that brings back flashbacks. <laughs> My mum used to do that. My mum used to get you. You knew you were in trouble. So say there was sort of a gathering of people, and uh, and you were maybe like because you're the kid, you're sort of showing off a bit. Mm. And mum would have decided in her infinite wisdom that potentially you were showing off a bit too much and you weren't being a very polite child. So she'd go, um, my sister remembers it vividly, but she'd go, Charlie, um, can I have a word, please, in the kitchen? And you just knew. You just knew you'd gone too far. Oh, my God. Yeah, your blood would (laughs) run cold. And it was a bit like the darling... Darling, darling, <laughs> yes, a weaponized darling, yes, the weaponized darling. Oh. oh God, it makes me feel really weird. I wonder if we can uh, spot some. Can I have a words in next week's episodes? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep an ear open for them. <laughs> Any more, George? Any more thoughts? Yeah, I um, I had a lot of fun last week. I got some really nice kind of little messages from people um, saying that they listened to the first episode um, or were kind of planning on listening to it. Which is really sweet. It's kind of uh, people that I haven't been in touch with for a while. And like, I'm an Archer's listener. I listened in. It was great. Um, So hopefully it sort of provided. Yeah, I think we we just hope that in slightly odd times in the world, it's providing hopefully a little bit of comfort. Mm. And you know what? As we mentioned earlier, if you're feeling that pressure to um, do something, achieve this can be a total excuse that for an hour or so, however long this, this ends up being, you are allowed to sit with a cup of tea and a biscuit and not do anything. And um, and if you are feeling a little bit, if you're feeling isolated as well as being physically isolated, hopefully these Archers and Tea episodes can relieve that feeling a little bit for you. Yeah. And we definitely love hearing um, everybody's thoughts and love it when people get in touch over Twitter. So please do. 
uh, continues to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's your twittle? Ha- tw- tw- twittle. What's your twittle hander? <laughs> Twitter hander. Uh, <laughs> uh, my Twitter handle is. Uh, I, um, I should know this a bit better than I do. You don't know it. I do. It's George Haynes two. George Haynes two. Haynes with a Y. H A Y N E S. Lovely. And mine is um, C F underscore Russell. And uh, yeah, you can tweet us and ask us questions or actually correct us, which is far more likely. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, we hope you're all doing all right. And um, we wish you all the very best for the next coming week. Stay safe. Stay at home if you can. If you're out working, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Look after yourselves. And uh, we'll see you next week. And I'll see you next week, Charlie. I'll see you next week. Well, I'll hear you.